Welcome to another edition of the PW Mania Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Justin C. Joined this week by both my co-host Cam and the chairman, Stephen Vincent, here to catch up on two weeks' worth of pro wrestling after we took a day off last week. And at the end of the show, with the Halloween season being here, we're going to play a little game called Trick or Treat. It's basically like a it's basically like a buy or sell like we've done here before where if we agree with something or we say we it's obviously a treat and if we don't agree with it, it's a trick and we give our answers why. So that'll be the fun little thing we're going to do here at the end of the show. Um, but let's start this week uh, recapping the last few weeks of AEW. Uh, I think we can start with the uh, continued MJF build to his match with John Moxley at full gear. Obviously, uh, two weeks ago, we had that great uh, MJF William Regal promo that uh, was maybe one of the best promo segments in AEW history, if not the best. And then even MJF's promo this week, he kind of like, he still kind of teased the heel a little bit, but he wasn't going as hard as he normally would. And I'm starting to wonder if AEW might finally give in. And I know he doesn't want to be a face and just let MJF kind of be himself and maybe not trash the fans as much and trash everybody else or somebody he's feuding with and just kind of let him be a face and give in and let the crowd cheer MJF like they want to. I'm kind of thinking that might be where they're going. I know they've teased that before and then MJF ends up turning back at the end. But I'm starting to think they might just go ahead and at least let the match between MJF and John Moxley at full gear kind of be a face versus face match. Maybe at least the match itself. And then who knows, maybe there's something afterward that happens. But I think they might finally just be, okay, we'll just kind of let MJF be like, I guess if you want to call it like nine, because I'm, I'm at this point in my rewatches, the 98 Rock, where like he just kind of naturally starts turning face and doesn't really change anything too much about him outside of not insulting the crowd anymore. Uh, I'll throw it over to you, Cam. What do you think? I mean, I felt like his promo this past this past week was him turning babyface. Essentially, he wasn't his typical condescending self he's you know would sneak in a few jabs here and there at the crowd or keep him awake but i mean i agree i feel like you could st- mjf can still be mjf but as as a face i think that's totally doable um if he wins the title i could see him turn to fa- let him try to turn face and then go against the heels on the roster um but we'll see i mean leading up to full gear i mean i'm worried that they're gonna not you know, have him beat Moxley, but at the same time, like I could see them easily putting the title on MJF. But yeah, it's it's kind of interesting how they're tweening him a little bit with his character. I think this is like the furthest they've gone with it because I feel like he was pretty just talking crap to his opponent and not really being <clears throat> like the douchebaggy heel. He's kind of just more in the middle now, which I think he could, he, if anybody else, can definitely extend that. I think MJF has is really good character work, fine promo skills, all that stuff. He gets that. I still think he lacks in the ring himself, but I think he totally gets everything else that goes with it. And it'll be a challenge for him to be a full on baby face. And I think that if there's anyone that's an AEW, that's up for the challenge and that can kind of lead them into 2023. I think MJF's the guy. Yeah. And honestly, if he ends up winning the title, it's one of those things where I could, I could see him doing it. I mean, I've seen some people suggest that they think there's no way MGF gets his push without signing a contract extension. I still don't think he signed one. I think we would have heard about it by now. But I could easily see this being a thing where if MGF wins, he can continue that storyline and just be like, I'm going to you know, walk into 
WWE and Paul hand this over to Triple H and put the AEW world title on his desk. I mean, you can play that into the storyline if you want him to go back heel. But honestly, you know, that might be the only way you get him booed in an AEW crowd is if you do something like that. Uh, Chairman, I know you suggested, I think I saw on Twitter last week, the idea of William Regal possibly turning and joining up with MJF after the whole promo thing that happened uh, two weeks ago. Are you still kind of on that bandwagon? I like the idea, but I think after what we witnessed last night, I'm kind of thinking that may not be the case. I mean, there was a prime opportunity last night for MJF to go after Renee Paquette because we all know she's married to Moxley. And obviously if MJF was full-blown douchebag kind of saying heel, like there would have been shots taken there. There would have had to have been. But the fact that he totally ignored that like tells me, okay – Maybe they're not going this route wholeheartedly. Um, the whole stuff at the end of the show with the firm and Stokely and Morrissey and Ethan Page all beating up MJF because, you know, he basically fired him for them attacking Mox. It's like, okay, either this is a big freaking swerve coming at the pay-per-view, thinking that all these goons are betraying MJF and MJF is just going to take some bumps through a table and get beat up. So because think that it's not going to be, you know, that, but then maybe this is actually a thing where MJF did fire these guys. These guys are going to feud with MJF, which would really suck because those guys are all, as MJF would say, mid. And we're, uh, boy, if, if that's like the way it goes after MJF possibly wins a title, like him feuding with Morrissey and Ethan Page, that's not moving the needle anywhere. So I'm hoping that's not the case. I don't know what's going to happen. I can almost see the crowd cheering more for MJF than Moxley at the pay-per-view once they have their match. I think, you know, Moxley's had his run. He's kind of the uh, break glass in case of emergency guy for Tony Khan. But I think, you know, there's a lot of patient fans of MJF that missed him over the summer when he was on leave, and now he's back. And I think him getting the title would propel the company. Plus, it'd be a new face as a world champion. In AW, because I mean, you look at all the past AW champions. I mean, they really haven't had like a new guy kind of run up top. You know, Moxley and Jericho and Omega. Obviously, they have the pedigrees, the well-known name. You know, they've been champions everywhere they go. CM Punk. You know, Heyman. I guess would be kind of a one. I guess they brought up, but I felt like his title run just there was something missing there. That one wasn't really memorable by any means, other than the few matches he had with Brian Danielson and such. But I think MJF could be that needle mover as world champion if they put the belt on him. So, I mean, of course, if we go back to my idea where Regal turns on the Blackpool Combat Club and him and MJF have an alliance, let's freaking go. Yeah, and you bring up uh, Hangman Adam Page. It's a good thing to hope to hear that he's doing well now after that uh, scary mishap he had at Dynamite a couple weeks ago. Uh, it's a good thing, you know, they actually, WWE doctors took proper precautions. The referee stopped the match, and thankfully it looks like it was just a concussion that he suffered because it looked kind of scary the way he landed on his head at one point. So glad to hear that he's going to be okay. Um, you know, speaking of the main event scene, you know, you should, obviously, real quick, you bring up Moxley. I like that, like you said, he, he's kind of like the unwritten locker room leader, I guess you would say at this point. He was supposed to have time off and came back after the whole the whole all-out brawl. So, yeah, you know, it's one of those things where you can obviously keep the title on Moxley, but like you said, a fresh face on top helps, especially when it's your, easily your hottest act in the company right now, maybe outside of the acclaimed. Uh, but let Moxley take that time off that he was needed. You know, it's funny now that his wife, Renee Paquette, is in there and he gets time off. But let him take that time off. Let him, you know, rest up till the end, 
you know, through the end of the year, but it'll be the middle, it'll be the, what, the beginning of November by the time full year comes. I'll uh, let him do that, especially with what it seems like with Kenny Omega and the uh, Young Bucks on their way back. There were reports that they were backstage last night, kind of like an executive role. Uh, and we saw there was a little bit of a promo last night on Dynamite where it was playing about them and then it shows them vanishing away. Uh, so it seems like they're going to be the ones winning out in this whole punk uh, brawl thing. I've seen what punk used as defense and how, like, when the door got kicked open, it was to hurt Larry the dog, which is the first time anybody said that. And what are we at now? Like a month and like almost full two months since that happened, and nobody kind of believes it. And I saw punk talking about some kind of Illinois state law that was something that he was using for his defense, which nobody believes. But it seems like it's going to be Omega and the Bucks returning. Uh, I've seen some people suggest almost in like a NWO storyline style thing where they come back to tear down uh, what they built. There's obviously talk about bringing back Hangman Adam Page when he comes back and Adam Cole to join up with them and maybe turning that into a whole storyline. But uh, I'll start with you, Chairman, this time. What are your thoughts and what do you think is going to happen with the Bucks and Omega likely on their way back? Yeah, I mean, we saw that little video package last night, you know, of, like, Kenny in the box kind of just, like, disappearing. And I'm, like, trying to figure this all out. I mean, clearly they're coming back because, um, obviously, they wouldn't be even showing anything with those guys. I mean, I have no idea what's going to be happening as far as those guys go. I kind of like this idea that you put on the table, though, with uh, kind of like an NWO thing. You know, and Heyman rejoins with those guys, and with Heyman being out, obviously his health's more important than anything storyline-wise in wrestling. But, you know, if Heyman is 100% clear to go, you know, him coming back and joining the Elite would be great. I mean, I think they need a spark in AEW in the worst way. You know, like you said before, other than the acclaimed and MJF, they don't really have much going right now. And I think, you know, getting the Kenny in the box and Heyman all back together again would create that interest, create that spark that they desperately need. And obviously CM Punk has fizzled. He's burned bridges. Um, it's an unfortunate ending to what should have been exciting. Um, I really don't know. The, the dog thing, I just heard about that today myself. I mean, I hope that didn't happen. But there's just, there's a lot of hearsay, she say. I don't know. I mean, I think Punk and AEW just need to separate at this point. And, I mean, hopefully for AEW, they get back on the road to recovery because it's kind of just a dead spell right now for these guys hopefully full gear we get some exciting matches and something to look forward to yeah especially when you got people like i saw ricky sarks hasn't been on tv since the for over a month now on dynamite i mean Miro's not around we obviously know what's going on with andrade and uh and malachi black not being there you know it seems like there's more you know half the show is based on ring of honor stuff um but what do you think cam with the punk and uh elite story and the elite coming back I mean, I think whatever they do, it does need to be big. I think they need to to move on past this and get the fans past chanting anything at these guys or anything. You know, who knows what's going to happen when they're actually on TV? I know AEW fans, you know, love the elite Bucks and Kenny. Um, maybe there are a couple people out there, maybe that might talk some shit. So they need to come back and have something cool and. Probably, I mean, they'll probably just end up going after the trios titles, and they'll probably just pretend like nothing ever happened. Um, but if it is some sort of uh, main event type angle where they come in and come back heels and try to take everybody down, and that's a good enough reason to turn MJF babyface fully right there too as well, that you could have MJF 
<laughs> defending AEW or whatever, you know, against Kenny and the Bucks. You know, that could be really interesting. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think it needs to be solid. I mean, you could bring back Hangman with him. He doesn't have to do anything physical for a little bit if he's still not medically cleared from his concussion. Probably be a few weeks. So, you know, even if you bring him back, he can just kind of be there. It doesn't have to take any contact for a couple of weeks. Um, but, yeah, it needs to be something good. It always was going to be them coming back. It was never going to be like Tony Khan choosing CM Punk over the Young Bucks and Kenny. I just – you didn't see it. You know, there was no place where it's like, okay, he's going to let these guys leave, probably go to the WWE just to keep CM Punk. I don't think that's a fair trade for Tony Khan. Um, I see people talking about Punk going to the WWE. Uh, I don't think the WWE needs him. And I'm, I'm, I'm sad to say that as, you know, a fan. But I think that the W doesn't need him. I think that, you know, if he comes in and doesn't get what he wants right away, obviously he's going to fucking raise hell. And where they are right now with Bray Wyatt and Cody and Seth Rollins is moving up. And I think there's enough guys in play right now where even if Roman Reigns took some time off, they don't need CM Punk on the roster. Um, he's kind of like kind of like not worth it. It's like an almost an Antonio Brown situation where, yeah, is he good? Yeah. Is he worth it? Eh, it depends how 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 bad are you in, uh, but we'll see if he really needs the money if he shows up at Impact or something. Yeah, we need. You can have MJF. I can see MJF winning the title and being mad, and Tony Khan getting mad. You can do the whole Vince McMahon thing that he did when he brought in the NWO, and how Tony Khan says he needs to bring in a lethal dose of poison, and then he brings in and then he turns around. I don't know. You can. I don't know what he would abbreviate the elite with on the back of his chair, and there, there you go, right there. But I can also see a scenario where. It wouldn't. They wouldn't do it where they ruin the match and the match ends in a no contest. I think AEW wouldn't want that for their main event. But I could easily see something where MJF wins the title or Moxley retains the title at the end of Full Gear, and they come out and beat the crap out of both guys, and just the show kind of ends with them standing tall. Maybe you have some other guys from the locker room try to run out and do that and be, stop them, and that doesn't happen. And maybe one guy turns and joins them, like a Hangman Adam Page. Who knows? Um, Last thing I want to bring up as far as storyline-wise goes in AEW is let's go over to the women's division. And just a simple question, and I'll ask you, Cam, or ask you, Chairman, first, excuse me. Um, Soraya versus Dr. Britt Baker, because it seems like that's where we're going. Is that something that interests you? Yeah, I would be interested in that. I mean, I was a big fan of Soraya back, you know, when she's on WWE's page, you know. And I was like, Britt Baker's one of the more popular acts for the women and all Elite Wrestling, so this would be a major buzz. You know, this would get some interest. I would be definitely all on board with this. You know, we also might be getting our Jamie Hayter and uh, Tony Storm match, too. So it looks like some women's stuff's coming along nicely, finally. What about you, Cam? Does that interest you? I mean, I think it's the the match. I mean, maybe you could have held it off for a little bit but i think at a pay-per-view i think that's that's your big women's match right now for aew is soraya versus dr Britt baker dr Britt baker is obviously <clears throat> the face of it you know you bring in soraya she has her name to go with everything with her accolades and her career and this is your your big women's match and then you know like chairman said you got jamie Hayter and tony storm which i think is your b match obviously and the winner winners go from there who type of thing you know if, if Soraya is going to wrestle I mean it all depends on how often she's going to wrestle is it like a every pay-per-view maybe a dynamite here and there or is it like a weekly occurrence you know we'll see um but yeah I mean I think that since Jamie Hayter's come up a little bit and Tony Storm's coming up a little bit that 
the women's division can be can elevate themselves from where they were, but I think this is obviously like the best match they can have right now. Yeah, I'm with you guys. It's you know, you it's something where you don't have to put Soraya in the women's title picture right away. Same thing with Dr. Britt Baker. You don't have to go back to her. Um, same thing as well. You let Jamie Hader get her title match against um, against. Oh my God, why am I blanking? A Tony Storm or you know Thunder Rosa if she ends up coming back. Who knows? But yeah, it gives Jamie Hader her shine, so that's good. Um, Let's just we can each bring up one more thing here real quick before um, before we move on to WWE stuff. We just want to bring up an AEW. Um, for me, my thing I kind of want to bring up is I don't really need to see Acclaimed versus Swerve in our Glory three. You know, two matches is fine, even though they've been good. Three matches in the span of what we're going to get here, like, what, two months? I feel like that's just that's a little over the top. I was actually really hoping FTR were gonna, was going to end up um, winning last night, but that didn't end up happening. Um, so, like, I know the match is going to be good, but at the same time, you know, FTR is here now. They they lost that match. I got a feeling, I saw somebody suggest they might feud with or have a match with the uh, Gun Club at the pay-per-view, which I'm just like, uh, really, the Gun Club? But, I mean, for me, if I want to look at one more thing from AEW, I, like, I would have preferred to see the FT- FTR win that match rather than swerve in our glory. Um, how about you, Chairman? What's something you want to add here? Ah, uh, Justin's favorite wrestler gets a TNT championship match on Rampage. That just makes me laugh a little bit inside. But also, <laughs> I'm sad for the TNT championship, how it was once prestigious, you know, back when Darby Allen was cutting his promo last night, you know, and he was talking about how, you know, he's a former champion. And so, yeah, Darby Allen, he's been kind of getting the shaft lately. And then now he has to feud with freaking god awful Jay Lethal and Sanjay Dutton, right? You know, the Singh guy, is that. I forgot who that giant dude is. Now he just stands there. It's not the great collie. Are you sure it's not the great collie? It might be. <laughs> I don't know. But it's like Darby Allen just being reduced to this, and then he told Cena to stay home. Apparently, it's like okay, whatever, guys. That's weird. I don't know. It's like Darby Allen should be presented bigger. I think. I mean, he was one of the OGs of AEW, and. He is killing it, you know, in some matches, killing himself. I mean, that dude was reckless and crazy, and we loved it for it. So he needs a bigger stage, and Jay Lethal, like, this Ring of Honor thing, just just stop. Just separate it. Like, it's too much. I don't need to see all these Ring of Honor things, and Matt Tave is the last straw, damn it. Yeah, like I said on Twitter the other day, everybody, all the AW fans are making fun of WWE for possibly being interested in Matt Taven, and now you see him on Twitter after it was reported that they signed uh, with AEW. It's like, well, you know, uh, you know, they could really help the Ring of Honor part of things because the Ring of Honor stalwarts, and it's okay for them to be on TV. And like you said, like Wardlow again. There's another guy, Wardlow, TNT champion. Like, okay, like when was the last time he was on Dynamite? Um, what about you, Cam? You want to add anything else here in AEW? I mean, we could talk about the FTR thing, like about how they're booked in um, AEW, but uh, it Wardlow to me too. I mean, just like he, they completely just don't use that guy, right? Like <clears throat> Tony Khan has had some opportunities, and we can obviously see that he's made some mistakes booking wise. But uh, I mean, there's guys like that that he can end up losing to AEW or to WWE or NXT or to Impact or things like that if he doesn't um, get the people, especially Wardlow, who is you know, his talent, he brought this guy up. And like you just said, I, outside of like Adam page, you know, all the champions and everything like that have been WWE guys. 
and well for the most part and they need to treat these these homegrown talent a lot better than I think they have been for the last year or so. Yeah, I mean, Warlow's easily a guy I could see Triple H bringing in and just pushing him to the moon. God, if Vince was there, oh my God, what he would have a part on right now with the fact that Warlow coming in like that. Um, all right, let's go over to the WWE side of things here. Um, for me, I guess, you know, I, you know, they're also kind of in like a standstill too, but I guess before we get into the storyline side of things, Somebody from that Triple H must be a fan of this podcast because the reports that came out uh, earlier this week, maybe it was late last week, that going forward into 2023, uh, gimmick paper per premium live events are pretty much dead. There's apparently going to be no hell in a cell. Uh, we're not going to, you know, there's still they just announced the elimination chamber for February. That's the only one I'm kind of okay with because it can be, I mean, I mean, now that Roman Reigns and, um, now that Roman Reigns is a unified champion, I guess maybe it's a little bit different. But to me, I was always okay with the chamber being in February because you could always have, you know, whichever brand the champion or the Rumble winner wasn't challenging for, you could be like, okay, now you six guys and girls have to go through, you know, this hell in the elimination chamber in order to get there. But, uh, you know, no more hell in a cell. Uh, who knows about extreme rules? Uh, so, Mr. Paul Levesque, Triple H, if you're listening to the show, like I'm assuming you are, because we've suggested this now for years, ever since this whole uh, shit happened, uh, it's finally apparently going to be happening. So I think, Cam, this is a good thing, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I talked about it, I've said this a million times when they came out with the WWE Network and now on Peacock that they were going to overproduce pay-per-views and undervalue every single pay-per-view, including WrestleMania, because it's now it's only $5 to watch their programming. Um, I think Triple H, is, this is the smartest thing. Will you lose a little bit of money? Sure, because, you know, now not every three freaking weeks you're not going, um, excuse me, you're not going or having a live event or you're having, now you're building things up and the pay-per-views are going to matter again. SummerSlam will matter more. Survivor Series, all these pay-per-views will benefit, I think, in the long term. And I think Triple H sees that. Because if if you have these pay-per-views mean something and the matches aren't repeated, you can build them up. And then you can run the bigger venues that they wanted to run, just like how they wanted to run Money in the Bank at um, the Allegiant Stadium where the Raiders play. They had to move it to the MGM or wherever they had to move it to inside Vegas because they didn't sell enough tickets. It's because, you know, at the end of the day, it's not because of UFC. It's because the quality wasn't there, so no one really gave a shit. So why would, you know, why would they sell a bunch of tickets? Now, if you compose it to six, what it should should be anyways, if you do six, which is more than enough, um, I'll argue they should do five. But if you do six, then I think that's a pretty good number for the WWE. Yeah, and it also helps, too, that there were, as Parl also in that report, it seemed like they're going to do one or two a year outside of the U.S., like we saw with Clash of the Castle. I mean, that's also great because the atmosphere at that show was awesome. You know, seeing 60,000 people at a show like that, you know, go back to England and do some shows there. Go to, I don't know, France or Germany or Japan. I don't know if you do Japan, but, like, places outside of, like, a like uh, Elimination Chamber is going to be in Montreal. And Montreal had SmackDown, I think, a few, we- uh, a few weeks ago and it was awesome it was a great atmosphere raw or smackdown one of the two things whichever one it was i remember watching it and it was great uh and you know give it to these places that don't get pay-per-views like this that often so plus to them there uh what are your thoughts chairman 
Yeah, I was just going to touch on that. The Montreal show was insane. Like, that crowd was totally into it. I'm like, give these guys a premier live event. They deserve it. Um, yeah, I'm definitely fine with scrapping those gimmick pay-per-views. I mean, we've talked about this time and time again. Like, well, the calendar says we have to have a Hell in a Cell match, so we're just going to have a Hell in a Cell match. Like, no. Like, I mean, obviously, this year obviously kind of worked out because this Cody Seth storyline met there. But, I mean, like, most years they just say, well, here we go, Hell in a Cell match, or here's a TLC match, or blah, 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 because it's the calendar dictates that. We're now as you can have a Hell in a Cell any time of the year and make it feel special because the feud dictates the gimmick, not the gimmick dictates the feud, or I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. But, you know, I mean, I'm sure Money in the Bank will probably still be in the rotation, but, I mean, a lot of these pay-per-views, well, premier live events, you know, they're going to get rid of them. I mean, I just don't know if they're going to still run how many years? Are they still going to run 12 years? Or like six a year, nine a year? I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's somewhat to see, I guess, how I saw they scrapped the day one event already. So from what I read, I guess Survivor Series Royal Rumble, there's literally nothing in between them. So this could be really good for Royal Rumble build for sure. So in Paul, we trust is all I'm going to say. I mean, He's pretty much been doing everything right since he's taken over and getting rid of gimmick pay-per-views. It's just another notch in his cap. Good for him. Yeah, if I remember correctly, they scrapped the day one because uh, one of the big bowl games is in Atlanta either the day before or the day after. So they didn't want to have to be like, have that there. And it's an NFL Sunday this year with January 1st falling on a Sunday. And it's just smart by him. Like, you know, yeah, you could have a wrestling show at night. But, you know, like you said, it's I prefer. First of all, I like these Saturday, especially during NFL season, these Saturday pay-per-views or I'm sorry, premium live events are just great. So they can just keep doing those all they want during that time frame. Um, yeah. I mean, for me, like my sweet spot, if they don't if they don't do one a month is like six to eight. You know, I can see even you getting to eight and then just kind of being like, OK, you know, now we can make this raw feel like a big deal or this smackdown feel like a big deal. Um, unfortunately, you know, they still are going to be doing the crown jewel shows, um, which is coming up, which is will be a topic of our show next week. As far as previewing it goes, I will say, though, I got to admit for these last two weeks, this. Brock Lesnar, Bobby Lashley build has been great. Um, you know, we recorded when um, Lesnar came back and ended up taking out Lashley. And then the following week after Raw starts with Lashley just in the ring, calling out Brock. And Brock comes out, you know, taking his time, walking to the ring. And Lashley goes right after him. They brawl. And Lashley actually, you know sells for or I'm sorry Lesnar excuse me sells for Lashley he lets Lashley spear him through the barricade he lets Lashley put him through I think he put him through the table either over or through the table um and it's just great to see Brock sell like that for somebody other than Roman Reigns I mean I'm sure he has respect from Lashley from his MMA days uh that were that were very brief but Hopefully with this match happening, it's better than what we got that crap at the Royal Rumble where everybody was hyped up for that match and it ended up being a complete stinker. You know, maybe Triple H says, okay, guys, go out. I mean, there's not a title involved in this one first off, so that's good. Maybe Triple H just says, okay, guys, go out there and beat the shit out of each other. And you get Lashley Lesnar, what we thought we were going to get at the Royal Rumble Rumble this year. And I know, like I said, it's in Crown Jewels, so, you know, some people will watch it, some people won't. But the, the build for the, that the last couple of weeks, they didn't really have anything this week. Um, the, I think they're both going to be on Raw this coming week. But I'm kind of excited for that match. Obviously, much more than Roman versus Logan Paul. Uh, what are your thoughts, Chairman? 
Yeah, this is definitely something that people will get behind. People have respected Bobby Lashley's work the last year. You know, Brock Lesnar, obviously, the name itself sells. Like, Triple H obviously knows that Brock Lesnar doesn't need a championship to sell a freaking event match. Like, Brock Lesnar's name alone sells it. So, this is good for everybody. You know, good for Lashley getting that match, you know, that we want to see. You know, and, you know, obviously it's going to be an event that I don't care for. But, you know, um, yeah, this, this should be a good uh, good match for the card. So, good for these guys getting the opportunity. Yeah, and I think one thing I like is the fact that you see Lesnar coming back. I mean, first of all, I shouldn't say Lesnar would have come back to uh, friggin' fight Baron Corbin at the Saudi show because it's a giant payday for him. But maybe, you know, this is a thing where you can go into WrestleMania going, okay, Lesnar doesn't need to be a champion at WrestleMania. Who do we want to see him fight on the card? Maybe we can have him fight Walter. Maybe we can have him fight, I don't know, Sheamus in a match. Maybe we can finally have him a rematch with Seth Rollins. You know, there's a list of people down the line that you can go ahead and have him feud with if he doesn't have to be forced into the title uh, situation. Uh, What do you think, Cam? Yeah, I think we'll see Triple H use Brock Lesnar a lot different than the way Vince did it. Um, Obviously, his stuff with Roman has run its course. Triple H obviously is not coming back. Goldberg hopefully never comes back. So when you start looking at options for Brock Lesnar for these premium live events, as we're called now, um, that you, you know, you hit the nail on the head, you can go with Gunther, you know, you can go with a lot of different people. I think that they have coming up, you know, let Kevin Owens get another shot at it. Let Johnny Gargano get a shot at Brock Lesnar. That would be pretty interesting. Um, maybe they build up um, Sulka enough to where he can, you know, go one-on-one with Brock Lesnar. I think that's something they could entertain down the road too. you know, maybe a year or so from now when they start building him up as a single star. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's more interesting now with Triple H in charge about when Brock comes in and, you know, this stuff with Bobby Lashley has been good. And the way that, you know, Triple H is booking the big guys is a, obviously a lot better than not only Vince, but Tony Khan or anybody else really across the board. You got, you know, Sheamus and Drew McIntyre killing each other, and then you got Gunther over there having fantastic matches with Sheamus and stuff. Then you got Brock and Bobby Lashley. You look at the big guys, and they're putting on really good shows under Triple H's run. Yeah, I mean, you want to throw it on that Karrion Cross was looking had a good match with Drew McIntyre, and it actually looked like a you know. He actually looks like somebody that can be a threat and not walk into the ring wearing a fucking helmet like an idiot. I mean, hell, I got to give Triple H a little bit of credit, too. Um, you know, even Dexter Loomis is kind of interesting, mostly because he's in a mid-card feud. Like, this is the kind of stuff that if you wanted to bring Dexter Loomis to the main roster, I would be 100% okay with. Like, he's out there. He's having a mid-card feud with The Miz. Yeah, Johnny Gargano's getting sucked into it. And then, of course, Johnny Gargano loses a fucking Baron Corbin with JBL, uh, on Raw this past Monday, but whatever. But, you know, this feud with Miz, you know, Miz has actual acting skills too. So, you know, he's acted before. So his, you know, comedic timing is actually pretty good. And the fact, you know, we saw him inter- interact with the Philadelphia Flyers mascot, Gritty, a few weeks ago. Um, you know, this feud is exactly what it needed to be as far as a mid-card feud. And apparently this week, Miz has to come forward and tell the truth What about Dexter Loomis. Otherwise, Johnny Gargano is going to tell it. I have not the slightest idea what any of that means. I mean, I don't know what 
possibly Miz can admit? Like, did they go, I don't know, did they go to an amusement park together and ride roller coasters? Did they go and take, I don't know, baking classes? Did they go on a, did Miz cheat on Maurice while Dexter Loomis was watching? I I don't know what possibly could be the end game here. Uh, do you have any idea, Cam, what you think the end game might be with this storyline? Uh, I mean, it's been it's been pretty interesting. I mean, I think that the Miz has done a really good job in this, keeping it going. Um, I mean, at some point, do they have just the Miz be the leader of their little group and have it be Dexter Gargano and, and the Miz? Um, who knows? I mean, if you have Ciampa come back, maybe at some point, but Gargano said he's injured. I don't really, I haven't really seen anything about. How yeah, he long. Ta- uh, he posted a picture, I think, on somewhere today or yesterday of uh he had hip surgery the, no idea how long he's gonna be out though oh okay well then scratch him being the fourth member but yeah if you do like those three as a little mini stable i mean it could work i mean when he brought gargano in obviously he wasn't gonna go straight to the top at first uh especially considering roman is you know kind of the big dog right now <clears throat> but i think that eventually at some point they'll break free and maybe you do you know obviously tensions will boil over at at the royal rumble um but I'm interested to see where it goes. I have no idea. I mean, I'm hoping, I guess, maybe they'll just stick them all together as like a little trio for a while. Yeah. What do you do? You have any idea? What are your thoughts here, Chairman? Do you have any idea? We got a crazy suggestion. What this might be? Miz and Andy Hartwell are having an affair, and Dexter isn't having it, so that's why he's stalking them. I, I don't know at this point. <laughs> yeah. Who? Yeah. It's just. It's weird. Like I said, it's interesting. Um, but it, it's like weird. I don't know how you try to make this like make me care about uh, like what exactly the big reveal could be here. That's kind of gets me to go, oh, shit, really? All right. Um, but yeah, you know, like I said, this is exactly how I would want Dexter Loomis. You don't use them in any kind of main event programs. Don't have them out there with Roman or Seth or, you know, Bray Wyatt. I mean, well, Bray Wyatt might work to a degree. Speaking of Bray Wyatt, um. I mean, I don't know. Like, I like obviously he's just coming back. I like that he's kind of slow building here. I have no idea if they do this Wyatt Six thing, what the heck it's going to be. Uh, like, we've talked about it before. Um, so, who knows? Uh, they got other stuff going on on Raw and SmackDown, like we said, too. Seth Rollins, obviously, as U.S. champion is a good thing. Uh, Mustafa Ali getting a push, too. Uh, that's good. Him getting a U.S. title match. Um you know, lots of, you know, interest. I didn't really care for Raw this week. I thought it was actually one of the worst episodes, or if not the worst, under the Triple H regime so far. Um, but it's obviously better than what we've seen, obviously, when Vince was in charge all of this year. Uh, like we said, guys like Mustafa Ali are getting a chance. Like, I know he's not chairman's favorite, but I, Chad Gable and Otis are getting chances at least and going out there. It seems like Gable's the heel that can go out there and have a good match with somebody and take a loss, and it's fine. Um, you know, people are getting TV time, which is pretty much all you can ask for that would normally get would have wouldn't have normally gotten TV time in prior uh, regimes. You got anything you want to add, uh, Chairman? Here, as far as WWE goes, the wrestling garbage god JBL is giving me around as Corbin's manager. Like this is the worst pairing ever because you get the two biggest douchebags ever. And if I have to hear JBL talk about the Attitude Era one more time, it's like, dude, the Attitude Era, freaking Ron Simmons, Farouk was carrying your jockey ass around. You were a freaking irrelevant nobody 
mullet piece of shit of a branding iron. So you were you freaking you're nobody in attitude era, bud. You're nobody. You're fucking Undertaker's bitch. You know, you're probably getting yeah, fuck that guy. Like he didn't even become relevant until the Ruthless Aggression era when he turned on Farouk and joined his stupid, you know, cabinet thing and he had the worst world championship reign ever in history because it was more boring than Jinder Mahal's. Like, it was awful. Like, you're, you're trash. Corbin's trash. You belong together. And I just hope there's no freaking championships going around Corbin's waist anytime soon at all. Yeah, I really got no idea who thought, hey, let's bring back JBL for Baron Corbin. It's like, really? Like, what's the idea there? Like, who was clamoring excuse me, for JBL to come back and get put in this position. I don't think anybody was like, where do you get, you know, the people are like JBL is out here wearing John Cena's size suits, you know, that are way too big for him. Like you said, like when he was talking about, Oh, you'd be carrying my bags in the attitude era. It's like, well, dude, yeah, you were probably carrying undertaker's bags in the attitude era. Um, what about you, Cam? Anything you want to add WWE related here? <laughs> it is kind of funny that, uh, JBL is um, back on TV. Like, I don't know, does Triple H own the favor or something? Like, it just, <laughs> it's kind of like a weird thing. But, I mean, it kind of is what it is. I mean, he's paired with Baron Corbin. I mean, I, I guess I get the idea of where it's going. But, um, I don't know, I think it's a little interesting. Um, no, I don't really have anything else to add to the WWE standpoint. All right. Um yeah, and like I said, it's, they're also kind of in a standstill thing right now. We'll get a little bit more into more WWE stuff when we talk about the preview for Crown Jewel next week. Um, but as I said at the beginning of the show, we're going to end this thing with a little thing that I call It's basically like a buy or sell, but it's more like a trick or treat. Each of us have three statements or questions we're going to throw out there to the other two, and we're going to give our answers for. Um, none of this is we didn't get these questions beforehand, so if it takes us a few extra seconds to come up with an answer for them, uh, please keep going with us. Um, I'll go first and I kind of, we kind of actually talked about this. Like we're talking about the punk and the elite stuff. Um, so I'll throw this trick or treat question out here first. Uh, you can go ahead first chairman here. Uh, CM Punk's next pro wrestling match will be with the WWE trick or treat. Um, trick. I, I, I don't see a scenario where that happens. I think him and triple H, I think there's some bad blood there, and this goes back to what you know you guys were saying before. You know, you don't WWE don't need them, so I, I don't see a scenario where that happens. All right, how about you, Cam? I think your answer was you kind of answered this earlier, but uh, same question. I mean, if I have to pick, if triple, I, I is CM Punk done wrestling? I don't know. I could see a scenario a year or two from now, maybe, uh, where Triple H brings him in for a year, one last hurrah. I mean, I read some stuff that under Triple H, I think the door is more open than it was with Vince. So maybe Triple H can see the the positive sides if, if Punk gets his shit together and is 100% healthy and he can come back for one last run, go into the Hall of Fame type of thing. Um, I mean, I could see it. So, I mean, never say never in pro wrestling. So I'll, I guess I'll go say in a treat. All right, uh, why don't you throw your first question out there, uh, Chairman? The old faction of Bailey, Io Sky, and Dakota Kai, it's overexposed, and it's not working the way they probably were thinking it was going to. 
I'll start first. Uh, I'll go ahead and say treat because I don't think they need to be on Raw and SmackDown every single week, even if EO and Dakota Kai are tag team champions. And like they had Bailey wrestle Bianca this past Monday again on Raw. It's like, all right, are you going to get a title match out of this or what? Like Bailey should have won, I thought, at uh, uh, what, Extreme Rules. Honestly, if they if Bailey had won the women's title on Raw, I think it would have been less of an issue for me. But the fact that Bailey didn't win, and you know now they're going after Candice, it seems like they're on there more than they need to. So I'm gonna go ahead and say treat with this one. So that's over to you, Cam. Now. Uh, my thoughts 100%. If Bailey wins the title at Extreme Rules, this is a, a non-issue. They can go around and do say and do whatever they want, kind of like Roman and the Bloodline do. But the fact that she didn't win the title, I mean, yeah, it's working. But at the same time, I do say it's a treat because it is overexposed. I think that they're not – they didn't put the title on Bailey. Um, they're relying too heavy on the program until, I assume, Naomi and Sasha come back at some point or Becky Lynch comes back at some point. But – I mean, it's just not like just how they beat down Candice LeRae. Yeah, they're going around and, and but yeah, they're overexposed. Put them on one brand or put the title on Bailey and then let them go back and forth. All right, and go ahead and throw your first statement or question out there. All right, my first one will be if Dolph Ziegler left the WWE in 2011, 12, he would have been the number one independent darling. Oh boy, that is a toss one. 2011, 2012. What was he doing there? I don't even remember. Um, for that time frame we're going into, I would probably say, I'd probably say treat. I mean, he still had name recognition in 2011, 2012. Uh, you know, he was a guy that during that time frame was still kind of on the ride. Yeah, because he didn't win the title for the first time until 2013. So I could have easily seen him taking a Drew McIntyre path, like what ended up happening with Drew, where he leaves and then comes back and is probably hotter than he was ever was after he won the title. But, I mean, half the time I forget he's even still on the friggin' roster, and then he shows up and it's like, oh, yeah, Dolph Ziggler is still employed. Um, what about you, Chairman? I'll go over to you now. Oh, that's interesting because there's a lot of top guys in the independence team in 2011, 2012. But, of course, Dolph was kind of on his rise around then, too. <laughs> this is, like, right before his money in the bank went, too. So it's like, shit. Like, they would pull the carpet away before what could have been. So, yeah. I mean, if he would have been released for whatever reason, I mean, he could have easily ate up bookings or he could have ended up on impact. And, like you said, do the Drew McIntyre thing. So I could, I could buy into that for sure. All right. I'll throw uh, this question out here, trick or treat. Um to this point, Alita versus Trish Stratus is the best women's rivalry all time in the WWE. I'll let you answer Cam first. Trick or treat. For right right now to this day, yeah, I would I'll I'll agree with that. I think that you can obviously make a case for some of the the Bailey and um, Sasha Banks stuff on NXT you can make an argument for Charlotte and Becky Lynch um, but I don't think the longevity is there or the emotion is really there as much I mean obviously you can point out like I said Bailey Sasha from that NXT takeover a couple of matches that Becky and Charlotte had but yeah I'll buy into that I think that that 
especially at that time when women's wrestling wasn't taken seriously, I think that they really showed what they could potentially do. How about you, Chairman? I'm going to disagree just because I felt like Lita and Trish did have some good times together in the ring. I felt like there was a lot of like downtime, like when Lita went off to be with Edge, you know, and do the whole radar thing. You know, Trish obviously started feuding with other people, and, you know, she had a pretty, pretty big feud of Mickey James kind of around that time period. And it's just like either Lita was hurt or Trish was hurt. Or it's like, I felt like if those two would have stayed healthier and wrestled more, I'd buy into that. But I think with all the four horsewomen, you know, tie them up how you want to tie them up. You know, I think we've had some really good feuds between the four of them, you know, whether it be Bailey, Charlotte, Becky, Charlotte, you know, Bailey, Sasha. I felt like those feuds are more meaningful and they're still ongoing. So longevity wise, those are legitimate feuds to me. Yeah, I think if Becky and Charlotte ever get back together in a feud and they can get over whatever personal differences they have, I think it might have the opportunity to pass it. But for me, I would still go with Trish Lita for now. But like I said, Becky and Charlotte has the potential maybe, and who knows if Sasha comes back, if maybe Sasha and Bailey might get there, but who knows. Uh, All right, Chairman, go ahead with your second one. This is a Halloween kind of theme here, trick-or-treat. Oh boy, how do I word, word this? If the Undertaker would come back for one more match, would you be interested? Oh boy. Um, personally, I would say no, I wouldn't. Um, so I guess trick for me. I mean, I I don't see what he adds anymore. Like uh, he just he probably is going to be immobile in the ring. Um, he's have to be short. I mean, I don't know what he's been doing. I know he's doing his Undertaker one man shows that he's been doing. Um, I don't know. I just like I don't know. There's nothing for him left to do, and there's not really a character out there. I mean, it, I think it would almost have to be as the American Badass because I don't think there's a character out there that would get like a Dead Man Undertaker interesting for me. So I'll go ahead and say Trick. So why don't you go ahead, Cam? I mean, in, in a perfect world and a year from now or something, and Bray Wyatt's been the champion for a really long time, and he's kind of run through everybody, and it's kind of getting a little stale. And Undertaker can train and have, like, some practice matches down in Florida and, like, prove that he can go for 10-ish minutes, 15 minutes. If you if you do some rest spots in between, you know, and he can do a 15-ish minute match, then I could entertain the idea of him and and Bray down the road or you know if Gunther is having a crazy title run and or something along those lines because I mean yeah he's relatively old but I mean look at Ric Flair man Ric Flair just had another match you know and (laughs) Rick's at least what 15 20 years older than than uh Undertaker is so he he probably has it in him if it's you know give him like a full year year and a half to train or something all right, and go ahead and with your next question here, Cam, or statement. I'll go with uh, Stone Cold's run during the Monday Night Wars single-handedly saved the WWE from going out of business. Ooh, going out of business. Um, hmm, that's a tough one because I wouldn't say... 
I'm going to go ahead. I don't think it would have ever gone out of business. So I guess technically I would say trick because I don't know if WWF, I think even before, like for me, Stone Cold's run starts after Montreal in 97. That's where it gets really serious. Yeah, I know the stuff with Bret Hart was before that, but I think by even by the time Stone Cold started getting the main event, it seemed like I just had been watching this over the last few months. It was kind of on the upswing already. And WCW is kind of already, you know, overexposed with the NWO. I don't, so I'm going to go ahead and say trick only because I don't agree with the fact that it's single-handedly saved the, I think it was the major part, but I don't think it's single-handedly saved the WWE from going out of business. Uh, what do you think, Cam? Or Chairman, sorry. It's an interesting scenario for sure, because if Shawn Michaels doesn't get hurt with his back injury, you know, he's still obviously around then. And I think he definitely could have played a key role for sure. But obviously, Sean got hurt. So Stone Cold obviously beat him for the title. And obviously, we talked the year before is when he did all the Bret Hart stuff, which was a freaking fantastic feud. Like, Stone Cold was pretty much the must-see reason to watch the WWF at the time. Like, it was just crazy. Like, what the hell is he going to do next? Like, his feud of Physic Man was top-notch feud. And they all fused with The Rock and just... It was just some great stuff, and yeah, I mean, I could definitely say we don't know if they would have went out of business, but we definitely say he was definitely the one that moved the freaking needle back then, for sure. And then, of course, you know, as time moved on, The Rock, you know, contributed as well. So mm-hmm. I don't know if it's single-handedly did, but I think he definitely had the biggest piece of the pie. Yeah, I'm at the point now my Raw rewatches in December 1998 or like November 1998. So it's to the point where The Rock's champion and they realize they don't need him as champion to be as over as he was. And I just watched the episode of Raw where they Undertaker trying to embalm him. And I'm just like, okay, that's a little corny. And like the Undertaker kidnaps him in the hospital and like nobody can hear anything going on. Like you know, obviously there's no nurses anywhere or doctors that can hear this going on. Uh, so like December 98 is a little bit of a rough patch for him. I think it's just kind of funny because that's where I am in my uh my current state of affairs as far as my raw rewatching goes um okay let's see i got one more question for you guys what do i want to choose i have a handful written down because i didn't know if maybe somebody at some point would have come up with the same thing that i did uh i'll just throw this one out here it's kind of a general one but what the hell why not um because i think he is Trick or treat. Uh, I'll let you Cam answer first. Vader is the best wrestling big man of all time. Um, what do we consider big man? Like, what's the minimum requirement to be a big man? I'm talking like you know, six five, six six, three hundred pounds, or like a seven foot tall guy, something like that. Like you know. I wouldn't consider Hulk Hogan a big man, but like, you know, Vader, Bam Bam Bigelow, you know, Andre the Giant, Yokozuna, those kinds of guys. Yeah, those guys are big men. Um, I mean, I feel like Bam Bam did a lot of stuff earlier in his career, too, that was really good. Crap, that's tough for me because then I, I think Yoko early in his career was great. I think Andre the Giant earlier in his career was really good. Um... Vader did some good stuff too. I'm gonna say Trick just because I can't I can't fully agree that he had a better run than any of the guys I just mentioned for a few years span. 
even though he was on Boy Meets World, so he does get credit for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, beating Jake Roberts. Uh, what do you think, Chairman? I mean, I'm going to not go of that theory as well. I mean, Vader was solid, sure, but, like, I don't know. I mean, I think a big man, I mean, are we talking, like, Yokozuna big man, or are we talking, like, Undertaker big man? Because, I mean, like, Undertaker, obviously, would be considered one of the biggest, you know, big men in the game, you know, or, like, Andre the Giant, obviously, just because he was a big attraction back in his heyday because he was a freak. You know, Vader obviously did things. Kelly like Bam and Bigelow, they did things something some big men didn't do. But, I mean, you, you even got, like, Nash and Batista, you know, and Kane, you know, some of the towers, Big Show, and his 85 heels face turns. So I definitely say no to that. All right, and go ahead and throw out your last statement or question. It's Halloween, so I'm going to have another fun Halloweenish themed one here. Papa Shango was Charles Wright's best character. Hmm. So you got Papa Shango, you've got Kama Mustafa, you've got the guy, you got um does come you got Kama in the nation and Kama Mustafa the supreme fighting machine. You've got the Godfather and you got the Good Father. Um Oh boy, that's tough. I was terrified to death of Papa Shango as a kid, so I guess he did his job there scaring me. But I'm going to go ahead and say trick only because i think the godfather character got him the most notoriety yeah nowadays it's you know it wouldn't obviously be something that's looked upon positively in today's world um but it was his most popular so i'll go ahead and say trick and go with that uh what about you cam i will i'll say that i mean i'll agree that i think it's i mean we could take the godfather but i feel like the most interesting character he did was papa shango i think that for the time, you know, it, it stuck in pretty well. I mean, they could still call upon it now and people still talk about it, even though he never really did anything super memorable in the WWE, you know? He's known for a couple of things, but no world title runs or anything like that. So, yeah, I'll buy into that and say treat. All right, and go ahead and throw out your last uh, statement here. All right, the last statement. Um, not talking about talent itself, or like wrestlers itself, if Vince McMahon is the most important person in wrestling history, then Paul Heyman is the second most important person in uh, wrestling history. Not including. I'm sorry. What did you say? Not including what? Not including wrestlers. Okay. Not including wrestlers. Hmm. Wrestling promoters, things like that. Yeah. It's one of those things. So then you're playing into, okay. uh, You know, you look at, you got to go back to like Jim Crockett and, those kind of guys, I wouldn't know stuff about a lot about stuff in Japan. Um, you know, you're talking, you know, this is, this is something you could do a whole history. You talk to Jim Cornette on a whole history podcast. Um, I think from the list of guys I know, I'm going to have to say trick only because even I, I think I would put Jim Crockett and everything he did. Hell, I think you'd almost put Ted Turner maybe ahead of Paul Payman too. I think I'd put Heyman ahead of Bischoff. Cause I, as much as I, I know, I think I kind of agree with Bischoff more than a lot of people when it comes to stuff. Um, I think he did more harm than good in the end to WCW. But I'm going to go ahead and say Trick just because I think, like I said, I, would, I probably would put Ted Turner behind of Heyman. Um, what about you, Chairman? Bro, the answer's right in front of you, bro. Come on, bro. 
Oh God! Uh, no, 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 no. No, I would probably say Bischoff just because you know during his heyday, you know, granted he had Ted Turner's wallet, but you know he brought in all the guys. He was you know part of the NWO, you know, did all that stuff, you know, got that going. So you know, it's, I felt like you know WCW in his peak, you know, he was kind of the driving force behind it, and you know they were able to dethrone. WWE for 83 weeks or whatever it is. It'll remind you of his podcast name. So, I mean, I definitely say he'd definitely be the guy, even though he's a complete douchebag now who just complains about Tony Khan every day. He gets a chance. <laughs> All right. And that is our show for this week. I hope you enjoyed our little fun we had there at the end with that game. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk about whatever else happens in the world of pro wrestling and preview WWE Crown Jewel, which is taking place next weekend. So for my co-host Cam and the chairman, Stephen Vincent, I am Justin C signing off and we will talk to you guys next week.